0: Wall Street economic indicators who
1: knows where this is going to end up to understand the economy you have to understand human nature how are you doing there it's David happy new year to you this is the first podcast of 2020 and it's going to be a very interesting one as always I'm joined here by your man. What's the story Head, Hey, happy new year to you. Did you have a good one? We had a fantastic one. A bit long, a bit late, a <laughs> uh, bit silly, uh, as always is the case. But it's good, you know, and now I've kind of, we're in that sort of phase. And of course, I went back to Neil this morning. Oh, Jesus. That bloody fitness, the boxing. I'm starting to
2: back on Monday and I'm actually dreading it. It's but, a killer. Yeah, but he's a whole new regime lined up for us, I believe. So you start Well, actually, well, you're very
1: special. There's no regime. I am special. There's yeah. no regime lined up for me. But yeah, no, I was boxing, I was skipping, I was lifting weights, and I feel about 108 yeah. right now. I'm not too you're sure looking. this is good. But you like my new, I've got my new sort of Daniel Ortega Combat Greens, Sandinista.
2: Straight out of Guatemala. Straight
1: out of Guatemala, Sandinista. The Clash should never have released a triple album, but there you go. That's another point of reference we can come back to. But uh, all is good. All is good. so, how are you, man? All all good. Yeah, it was What's- all good. It was all good at me. But come here, like, I'm, I'm here. This this weekend,
2: I woke up and sure enough, Mr. Trump had given us a lovely New Year's present. Oh yes, with in, in Iran, in Iran, and I'm just going, what the hell is going on? Like honestly, this I know this is something that's been building up for a while, and there's been all lots of willy waving and stuff. But now he's after blown up Soleimani. Suleimani,
1: yeah. Uh,
2: and I'm trying to figure out, is this an impeachment kind of distraction? Is this for real? Is this Israeli driven? Is What's going on? Because some of the, the hashtags trending over the weekend is, believe it or not, Franz Ferdinand, as in not the band. The, the
1: band One Hit Wonders? One, Maybe oh. a bit like Trump? Were they One Hit Wonders?
2: No, they had a couple of them. Take, they me, were out, okay. take yeah. me out. Take me out. That was their big they one, They were yeah. kind of Scottish, weren't they? Yeah, they were. They were good, they but were they good. didn't. They weren't good enough. But Franz Ferdinand and World War Three. So, okay. tell me,
1: what's right. going on? What's
2: your take on this?
1: Okay, well, the interesting thing is, John, I thought this week's podcast was going to be about price-earnings ratios in the s and I was going to... Oh, thank God. I know, <laughs> but I was going to discuss finance and economics and whether the stock markets were overvalued and what's going on with the bond rate... La La La, and what's going on with you know long-term interest rates and what's going on with QE, which has been kicked off again in the states more or less?
2: Actually, to be honest, we haven't been doing enough economic stuff so we probably need to, we'll come, come, back back to a bit. We'll come back to the finance
1: stuff come back to the finance stuff It's always interesting, you know, but uh, like yourself, I turned on the telly. I saw that the Americans had assassinated Soleimani. Soleimani is the second most powerful man in Iran who has been the head of the Iranian armed forces, but mainly the head of an operation called Quds, which is the Iranian projection of their power outside of Iran. Right. And he has been a thorn in the side of the Americans, not least because since the evasion of Iraq, the general picture has been one where the Americans have not only been not on the ascendancy, but have been in the descent. So Iran is a Shiite, Muslim country. Yeah. Shia Muslims are a small minority within the overall Muslim population of the world. But Iran is their center. Most of them being Sunni. Just, the, just Most of the other yeah, yeah. Uh, Muslims are, are Sunni. Shia Muslims are, if you take it in the Irish context, it's a bit like Catholic versus Protestant. The Sunni are more Protestant. They're more pure to the book. They believe much more in direct relationship with God They believe in what they call the one God and one God only. Mm. The Shia are more like Catholics. They're much more likely to have, for example, imagery in their, wherever they worship. They're much more likely to be mixed with non-Muslims. They are much more likely over, I'm talking historically, to actually blend it in with different populations. It's all about the cousin though, isn't it? It's about, apparently, theologically, it's about the cousin. Yeah. It's always about the cousin. It's mom. always the cousin. T- yeah, you must have a cousin, you can't stand <laughs> Everyone's got a cousin. Thing. My, you know, the undertone's my perfect cousin. It's all about, if you want to get to the bottom of Shia and Sunni, <laughs> it's Does actually through the prism of Fergal Sharkey. <laughs> my perfect cousin, what was his name? Kevin. And what was the second line? My perfect cousin. I like to do, he, he doesn't. doesn't. He's his mammy's praying joy. <laughs> exactly. Okay. So, but that's the theological. So let's go back to it. So, Shias exist in Iran, in Iraq, a small amount in Syria, a lot relative to the local population in South Lebanon, a lot in Pakistan, about 20% of of Muslims in Pakistan are Shia, and about 4 million in Afghanistan, and also in Yemen. So that's their neck of the woods. When the Americans go into Iraq, the world thinks America is going to be the dominant power. And, of course, the reason the Americans went into Iraq, one of the reasons was to show Iran, who was boss in the area. What has transpired because of the total fuck-up in Iraq and the fuck-up in Syria is that Iran, rather than being the power that was going to be denigrated by the American presence, has become the operational power. So there is what they call a Shiite crescent from the Caspian Sea close to Russia all the way to the Mediterranean. And right at the center of that is Iran. And again, one of the smaller cities where the Shia are now in power is Baghdad in Iraq. Okay. Okay? So that's the background noise. The Americans have largely destroyed their own settlement in the Middle East through the war in Iraq. The Iranians support Assad in Syria. Assad is neither a Sunni nor a Shia. He's what's called an Alawite, which is another small tribe uh, from northern Syria and southern Turkey.
2: Are they kind of conservative? They, or are they are
1: no, they are. They're they're an offshoot. They're a Muslim tribe, but they're not part of the major Muslim idea. And they've done a lot of deals, the Alawites, with the Christians over the years. Because we forget that basically. That part of the world is the fulcrum of civilization. Mm. So you have Christians, you have Jews, you have Muslims, you have Sunni Muslims, you have Shia Muslims, you have all sorts, you have Sufis and the whole lot. Sufis, yeah. The the Sufis were largely from Syria. Mm. Uh, You have, of course, then Greeks, Greek Orthodox, Armenians, all these tribes. So when you look at the borders that are drawn in the Middle East, they were drawn by a thing called Sykes-Picot, which was two civil servants, one called Sykes and one called Pico, one British, one French, in 1917, who redrew the boundaries of the old Ottoman Empire into invented new countries. One invented country was Syria, one invented country was Lebanon, one invented country was... They
2: were just literally drawing lines in the sand.
1: Not only were they drawing lines, but, you know, the West Bank? Yeah. We know the West Bank. Yeah. That was the West Bank of the Jordan River. That was called Transjordan, and that was rubber-stamped by Churchill after at least two bottles of whiskey. He had no idea what he was talking about. He was Guyite, right? He said, okay, right, okay. So this is all mad stuff. It's a miles
2: from the UK, who cares? The
1: United Arab Emirates, Abu Dhabi, Dubai, Saudi Arabia, these mm-hmm. are all invented countries. Entirely new countries. Yeah. Invented when the Turkish, stroke, Ottoman Empire, the Ottoman Empire collapsed in 1917. The only country, and this is the interesting thing, in the region that is not invented is Iran. Iran is the country the longest civilization ruling civilization in the world yeah you go back to cyrus and darius the and persian King empire Kamesh. this is really old stuff right so when we think about the region iran is not like syria it's not like iraq it's not like lebanon it's not like israel it's a much more formidable society and country yeah. it has been of course since the Islamic Revolution in 1978, and particularly for the Americans since the capture of the American embassy in 1979, a place that America has built into being the most difficult adversary. Iran is also very close to Russia. So Putin is sitting in the Kremlin, and he's just laughing. He's saying the Americans are getting bogged down again with the Iranians. And then, of course, you have the relationship between Turkey and Iran, so the two old tribes. I remember a Turkish friend of mine said we were talking about the region, and she said, "Ah, oh, well," she said, "look, David's very simply says there's two old tribes here. There's us, the Turks, and the Persians. You call mm. them Iranians, but we call them Persians." Yeah, right? yeah. She was the Arabs. They're kind of new to the. They're new to the gig, and you know what? <laughs> when they run out of oil, they'll disappear as well. Yeah, we're the old tribes. Well, it's interesting because
2: uh, it, when I was in BBC World Service, mm. as I always refer back to that we always refer to them as the Persians as well. It was the Persian section. Yeah. But but how much of this is driven by Israel? Like, what's Israel's well, the,
1: the Israelis, take from this? It's not Israel. It's more Netanyahu's side of Israel. Uh, the Israelis need the Americans to feel profoundly insecure in the region in order for the Americans to continue supporting Israel, which is not really in their interests long term,
2: okay? It's not really in the American interest. Yeah, not really.
1: I mean, why should the Americans go to war with the Arab countries over Israel? It doesn't really make any sense. Except for the fact that the Americans have a very powerful Jewish lobby.
2: Well, I was going to say, but also it's a very strong
1: base for them. Right in the in the center of the action there. Yeah, but they, 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 you know, they have a base called Saudi Arabia. They have a base called the United Arab Emirates. That's so okay. my point is that the... Under Netanyahu, the, is, the Israelis have shifted their... So if you... if Okay, let's go back and see it, right? 30 years ago, Israel is surrounded by enemies. Yeah. Lebanon, Syria, Jordan, Egypt. You have the Six-Day War. You have the Yom Kippur War. The settlement thereafter means that Egypt, having made peace in 77 with Israel, is more or less on the American side. So they've taken out the big, big enemy. Mm. Over time, the Americans do deals with Saddam Hussein in the war with Iran. So the idea that Israel is America's only ally in the region isn't really that persuasive. But Netanyahu, who's been in power for 20 years, and this is a great thing for him, because he's going for re-election for the third election, in a year in Israel, if he can suggest that there is a likely war between Iran and America, that will freak out the Israelis. They'll vote like for him in huge yeah. droves. So and he, he's he, by
2: the way, just won the leadership election yeah. of the Likud party, good. by a long way.
1: By, the- by a long way, because the Likud party realised that Netanyahu, whatever you like or don't like about him, he's a good campaigner. He's a really wily politician. Yeah. And he's still around. corrupt as fuck. Well, he knows that if he loses, he's probably going to prison. And in fairness to the Israelis, they have a great habit of putting their presidents and their prime ministers in prison. In fact, the last president and the last prime minister of Israel are in prison
2: right now. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that.
1: Yeah, Ehud Olmert and a guy called Katz. right? the president and the prime minister. Right, okay. So, and uh, Sharon would have been in prison and Sharon's kids were in prison. mean, the Israelis are quite good at, you know, yeah, following putting, through, putting their own their own prison. Anyway, so let's go back. So all this is going on, but also the the Americans under Trump have had this obsession with Iran. So much so that it's amazing to think that only three years ago, Iran was being brought back into the Western fold. The Iran nuclear deal was brokered by the European Union. Mm. President Obama was on board. The Iranians are on board. They were going to give full visibility to their nuclear power program. In return, we were going to lift sanctions on them. They were basically coming back into the real world. The last person who wanted that was Putin because he likes his friends in the region feeling very anti-Western. Yeah. Trump comes in and decides that Iran is an existential threat, not to America, but to Israel. Tears up... The nuclear That was almost day one, wasn't it? Yeah, it was kind of a ridiculous thing to do. So therefore, America and Iran have been on high alert against each other. Yeah. However, and however, then he
2: also, by the way, he also moved the American embassy to Jerusalem, which was also a, a red flag.
1: Yeah, it was, but I think that's more symbolic than anything else. Right. That's my own
2: sense. It stirred it up though.
1: It stirred it up. There's no doubt it stirred up, yeah. It, there's no there's no doubt of that. But I would, take, I would put the Israelis out of the equation for the moment. I'll come okay. back to them in a second, okay. right? So I think when you assassinate somebody from a drone, it's not a sign of your technological prowess. It's a sign of your military weakness, right? It's a bit like, you know when the IRA had these things called spectaculars when we were young? Mm. So they'd put a bomb in Harrods, or they'd put a bomb somewhere close to the royal family, or they'd put a bomb... Uh, in... The Hyde Park bombing. Hyde Park or in Canary Wharf, right? Yeah, yeah. What it did was it kind of said to the people, we're still here, Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. But it was actually a sign of weakness because it never changed the situation on the ground in Northern Ireland. So the ability to actually have a one-off bombing, which is spectacular, doesn't really reinforce your power, particularly if, as in the American case, they assassinated Soleimani on Thursday night On Friday night, they were telling all their citizens to leave Iraq. So this is not a sign of a superpower in control. It's a sign of a superpower trying to cling on to some sort of vestige of prestige.
2: Is that not a, when they're telling their citizens to leave, are they not saying, right, we're now gearing up for a full-on...
1: No, they're saying we can't protect you. We cannot protect you in Iraq. Okay. It may well lead... To a full-on attack. Yeah. So it strikes me that what you have is Trump saying to the Iranians, we can do what you want, we want with your people, and the Iranians saying, Okay, we're going to retaliate. It seems to me that right now neither side wants war. But unfortunately, wars tend to happen due to what I would call three things. One are mistakes. The other one is miscalculation. And the third one is machoism. So the three M's. And what worries me, John, is that America will blunder into a war in Iran, which will drag in the entire region and will create a cauldron, an inferno in the Middle East, which is deeply, deeply unstable. And I think what has happened over the last day or two is the beginning of that.
2: So hang on a second. Let me me understand this. On one hand, I was listening to Pompeo banging on about how his intelligence and all the intelligence community were saying that there was there was an imminent attack and that was one of the reasons for, for bombing Yerman Suleimani. But in this greater
0: Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.
2: Kind of intelligence and technological
1: age. How can you actually blunder into war? Via Twitter. <laughs> okay. I'll, no, I'll come back to that. I'll come back to it. Okay. I, I think it's important.
2: So if there is a full-on war, what will that look like? What will an Iranian-US war look like with the Israelis and everyone else involved?
1: Well, you know, the Israelis will be the least of their worries. But they're nuclear power, though, as well. Yeah, but the Israelis will not use nuclear power on, unless they're attacked. Yeah. I think that's very clear. But, so let's see let's what does the evolution of an Iranian-American war look like? Let's just think that, right? So what happens is the Americans assassinate Soleimani. That puts it up to the Iranians. The Iranians have to react in some way. So what will happen is the Iranians will get their militia in Syria, remember I was telling have yeah. to detonate a car bomb under an American army truck. The American soldiers are still in Iraq. Not yep. many of them, but they're still there. Yep. Then the Americans have a tit for tat. They say, okay, we are going to do what we did to Assad. We are going to send in cruise missiles to bomb Iranian-trained Iraqi Shias who are be training in Iran. Okay. They bomb that specifically a port or a military installation. Then the Iranians say, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to bomb oil tankers in the Straits of Hormuz. Now, the amazing thing about if you're in Dubai or Abu Dhabi, on a clear day, you can see Iran. Mm. It's really close, okay? It's really, really close. In fact, in Dubai, the original inhabitants of Dubai are Iranian. Dubai means two houses. Du is the Iranian for two, and Bai is the Arabic for house. Yeah. So the Arabs and the Iranians have lived side by side in Dubai for years, a place called the Creek, in the very south of Dubai. So it's not inconceivable or it's not impossible to imagine how the Iranians then up the ante and they bomb either Qatari or Kuwaiti ships in the Straits of Hormuz. Yeah. Suddenly the price of oil goes from sixty dollars a barrel to $150 a barrel, and everyone starts to freak out. Then Normally, what happens in these cases, the the Americans will send another few cruise missiles in, the Iranians will send some other militia in Iraq in, and then they stop, and everyone comes up for breath, and the idea is, we're not humiliated, you're not humiliated, we go and we talk together, but there's no mechanism for them to talk, because yeah. the Americans have taken that away, right?
2: Yeah. So and it was it was Macron, I believe, who was trying to be the mediator. Up until now, certainly, anyway. Yeah. And, and Trump doesn't like Macron and vice versa, so...
1: And also, you've got to see, from the Iranian perspectives, why would you trust America? America has tried to strangle Iran for the last 50 years. Yeah, they've backed him into a corner. And also, if you go back even further to the 1950s, there was an Iranian leader called Mossadegh who tried to nationalise Iranian oil that was owned largely by Britain. And together with Britain and America, the Iranians suffered a coup which the Americans put the Shah of Iran back on the throne of Iran and said, you know what? I know you had a democratically elected guy, but he's not our guy. That's right, because
2: your man, Mossadegh, was... Democratic elections. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. You The know? CIA's first CIA success, which is always very worrying, you know, because it led to a thousand failures. But this one success yeah. they used. So there's a lot of hatred between these people. So imagine what happens is the Iranians then have a terrorist attack on an American embassy somewhere around the world. They kill Americans, tourists. Yeah. The Americans say, okay, we're going to go in and sort these people out. Right? And the Pentagon will argue this is how it escalates. So, what is low level sort of skirmishes and bombs and this, that, and the, suddenly, and you've got a president like Trump who is erratic. We know that. The Pentagon will always advise the United States government that if we are going to have a conflict with anyone, we have to destroy them completely. This is the shock and awe idea.
2: Yeah, yeah. So, Who's you imagine, talking?
1: so the, the Pentagon advise, Trump: Okay, let's begin the process if you want to fix this. Yeah. We will need to commit troops on the ground. And say the Americans say okay and they put they put 180,000 troops in the Middle East for the invasion of Iraq. Imagine they put 100,000 troops, right? And of course then you think what would the Iranians do? So Iran runs these proxy states. This is the really interesting thing. In 1982, when the, Ara- the Israelis invaded South Lebanon, they invaded South Lebanon to destroy the Shia militias. The Shia militias mutated into Hezbollah. Hezbollah is now the most armed non state actor in the world. So it's a non state, it is a militia that is armed like an army with the resources of a state. And it's entirely Iranian and it's all in South Lebanon. You also have the militias in Iraq. You also have the Iranians in Yemen. You also have in Afghanistan and Pakistan large Shia militia. Imagine the Iranians decide, let's cause chaos here. And all of these various militias begin to attack America and their allies at once. The Americans will then have to react in a way that they have to actually destroy Iraq. So and, and and think about, it again, you have the Iranians are incredibly capable of destroying most of the Saudi oil installation. What people don't realise is the vast majority of Saudi's oil is in the Shia area of Saudi, of which there is a small area over beside the Gulf states, the UAE. Everything okay. is beside Iran. So even if the Iranian military were destroyed or partially destroyed by the Americans using cruise missiles, etc. They still have enough in their armory to destroy the UAE and Saudi Arabia and destroy the oil production. And then what you get is this very crazy situation where the Iranians, rather than confronting the Americans on the ground, confront the Americans through their militias all around the place. Mm. This is when Israel gets drawn in. This is when it becomes a regional conflict. This is when Saudi becomes drawn in. And the interesting thing is that Saudi and Israel, Israel, the Mecca of the Jews, and Saudi, the Mecca of the Sunni Muslims, have an alliance together against Iran. And you can imagine then that Hezbollah in South Lebanon goad the Israelis. Hezbollah allegedly have 160,000 warheads in South Lebanon. Really? Yes. Holy shit. Incredibly well armed. And in 2006... Where did they come from, by the way? From Iran and Russia. Right, okay. And in 2006, the Israelis went in to reoccupy South Lebanon thinking this is going to be a walk in the park and they got their asses whipped. Nobody realized the Israelis were beaten in South Lebanon. Not that long ago. Yeah. So, it's not difficult to see, John, how Trump's rather adolescent approach to assassinating this guy, Soleimani, could lead to a low-scale war, a little skirmish, then the Americans being dragged in, then the Iranians releasing their militias all around, and suddenly you have a huge regional conflict that could spark over a number of months.
2: So you're talking about mistake, miscalculation, and machoism.
1: Yeah. So the the mistake is the original act of aggression. Yeah. The miscalculations is both sides misdiagnose what each other wants.
2: Yeah. Okay. And the next step kind of thing.
1: And the machoism is the presidents of Iran and the president of the United States, in order to bolster their own domestic opinion, become macho. Yeah. So Trump ratchets it up. The Iranians ratchet it up. And suddenly you have a crazy regional war. It just sounds
2: like a total nightmare. But tell us this then, if we have a kind of a military armed conflict in the Middle East that's going to draw everyone in at some stage. Economically... It's
1: catastrophic for everybody.
2: Yeah. But but, wars tend to be. Yeah. But economically then, how is that going to affect the, the, the global economy?
1: So what happens in this scenario is the price of oil, as I said, goes from around $60 a barrel to 150 160 maybe north of that, because the Iranian oil supply is knocked out, even mm. though it is small, much yeah. smaller than it should be. The Saudi Arabian oil supply is knocked out. The United Arab Emirates oil supply is knocked out. Yeah. There is huge, huge insecurity about how much oil can... Make it out of the Middle East.
2: But this, we have we have fracking though in in the states, which will
1: well that's not boom. Yeah, that's a different. That's a different argument. That's again a different argument. Is that you know you're right that fracking is a function of high oil prices. Mm. So when oil prices are oil prices are high, fracking can work. Yeah. But just so just in terms of the reserves, the oil reserves of the world, Venezuela has twenty five percent. Saudi Arabia is 22.4%. Iran is 13.1%. Iraq has 12%. Kuwait has 8%. UAE has 8%. And we go down from there. Okay. So if you were to knock out the oil production, even for a while, of Saudi Arabia, Iran, Iraq, Kuwait, and UAE, you're left with nothing particularly because the venezuelans can't produce because their economy is destroyed so this yes, is of course yeah so the first thing is the price of oil goes through the roof who suffers most the ma- major oil importers european union yeah china and japan so you get a recession really rapidly in our part of the world because the costs of our energy go through the roof who sits pretty The Russians were the other big producer Mm. who were just watching all this and waiting for things to happen. So economically, you get a collapse in the stock market. You get a massive, massive supply shock recession. The likes of it we haven't seen since seventy four or 1981. You also get massive refugee problems. Think about it. In the Middle East, the Syrian... Civil war prompted the dislocation of 12 million people and five million refugees left Syria in the context of an American Iranian confrontation, which is serious, where the Americans begin to go in on the ground. So we imagine the Americans went in to a country like Iraq, which is flat, which is demographically fractious with various different tribes. They were the Kurds, the Sunnis, and the Shias, yeah. right? Unstable, and they couldn't win in an unstable, geographically easy climate to win a war. Iran is probably the most mountainous country outside of the Himalayas and yeah, that part it's of the supposed world. supposed
2: to be spectacular, actually.
1: It has got a unified population. It has a Persian culture that is the oldest in the world, mm. the oldest ongoing civilization in the world. It has Iran as a big army, it has Russia as its best ally, the Americans are not going to win in there. Uh, and, of course, th- what that means is massive refugees, millions of people, Yeah, even. There are 82 million Iranians. There are less than 40 million Iraqis. So think about this. Yeah. Huge, huge differences in population.
2: So apart from the invasion of Grenada, America has never won a war in the last 50 years.
1: Yeah, they haven't won since the Second World War. Yeah? They won in Korea uh, at the end. They, yeah, did they? Well, kind of.
2: I mean, they're still trying to sort it That's out good. now, but but, you know, but apart from that, I mean, you know, in... Actually, what what I'd be really interested to know is, you know your mate, Pincus Landau. Have you been talking to him? What's his take on it from Israel?
1: The Israeli... I was talking to my Israeli mates this morning, and... They said something to me, which I thought was quite amazing. They said the assassination of Suleimani, for mm. us—not all Israelis, but these Israelis who are pretty representative—is as significant a moment as the assassination of Reinhard Heydrich. Now, Reinhard Heydrich was the head of the SS,
2: mm.
1: who was assassinated in Czechoslovakia by two agents dropped in by. The British, financed by the CIA. In fact, you might remember Killian Murphy played one of them in a recent movie. Oh, but yeah. the assassination of Heydrich was a signal to the Nazis that we know where you are. And these guys got caught, got tortured, got killed at the end. But my Israeli friend said to us, or said to me, this for us is as significant, a positive in their eye, yeah. blow against anti-Israelis, whatever you want to call them, as the assassination in 1942 of Reinhard Heydrich. That shows us, John, that our Western, it should be okay, it'll be all right, we'll do a deal, we'll back down, is really far away from people's perceptions who are deep in the region. And it leads me to conclude the fascinating thing here is there are so many different angles. Yeah. There are so many things that can go wrong. And there's so few things that can go right in terms of going back to the status quo. And, you know, when you look at history and when you look at conflicts and when you look at how things happen, now we spoke about those three M's, the idea of you make a mistake, you have a miscalculation, yeah. and then you have Machuism when they come together, even though most sensible people think, I don't want this, it doesn't mean that it doesn't happen. In the week that's in it, I can't think of a better, better conversation to bring you on Patreon. It's between myself and the former head of the CIA, John Brennan. And he's talking exactly about the types of events that can happen, like happened this weekend in Iran. He's talking about the CIA, their involvement in torture, in intelligence, in regime change. I really, on this first week of 2020, can't bring you a better conversation. It's on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Dave Myself in conversation with the CIA head, John Brennan. And given what's happening in the world right now, this is a conversation that you cannot afford to miss.